welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We're going to start with our scripture reading this morning, a little different than we've been doing it. So we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day and after you have done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet so that you are ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Offer prayers and petitions in the Spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes this secret plan of the gospel known. I'm an ambassador in chains for the sake of the gospel. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me and please pray for me. Lord, I thank you for your word that continues to speak, that people dedicated themselves so long ago to write down that which they were experiencing that which they had to communicate to people a long time ago on the other side of the world, but still, through your Holy Spirit, those words speak to us today here. I give you thanks and praise. I ask that you bless what's been prepared, that you speak through me in spite of me, that you bless our hearing, that we hear you in spite of ourselves. And Lord, may all that is read and heard and embodied and carried forward from this place, may it be pleasing, may it be acceptable in your sight, you And you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So we're kicking off a six-week series called Prepared. And so we have our friend here to help remind us that we want to be prepared. And we're going to work through this message of Paul in the church letter called Ephesians. And we're going to talk about what Paul is offering the church and what Paul's offering us through this metaphor of armor. And then we're going to work through each of the six pieces over the next six weeks. And then we're going to allow the subversive message of the cross of Jesus Christ to beckon us into a deeper form of living and faith. So you ready? Are you prepared? All right, good. All right. You are. We're going to focus on this letter, and we call it Ephesians. It's a letter to the church in Ephesus by tradition. But actually, we don't know who it was written to. It isn't specifically addressed to any church. And every time church is referred to, it seems to be speaking to the universal church. And so some people believe it was just passed around to churches. And someone wrote it, uh, a disciple of Paul. Paul was in prison. 
and communicated Paul's message to the church at large. And so Ephesus is the focus of the message. So I want to tell you a little bit about Ephesus. It was the capital, the Roman capital of Asia Minor. Okay, so this is ancient Rome, first century. This is the epicenter of Roman power in the Asia Minor area, big area. So it was a place that had lots of flags and, and had lots of banners and lots of symbols of who was in charge, Rome. Caesar was regarded as Lord. And so this was the place which Paul came and visited and, and helped uh, teach a church that had already been established by a man and his wife. They, they established it together. Girl power, amen? And so Paul brings this message to everyone who calls themselves the church of Jesus Christ. He establishes new foundational realities, four of them. One, that we are part of a new family. Our identity is in our family. My last name is Sanford. That's just, that's just one part of my family. My main family is everyone who calls themselves a part of God's household, not the household of my mom and dad. New identity. We have a new identity as people, as individuals, as ourselves. And Paul does something really funny in this letter earlier. He makes it clear he's writing to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish church, but then he tells them, don't be like the Gentiles, which seems kind of funny, except that he doesn't see them as Gentiles anymore, and he invites them to not see themselves as such either. We have a new identity. Your historical family, your blood relationships, they are not the source of your identity. Your national family, like ours as Americans, that is not the foundation of our identity. So Paul wants to communicate these three. And then finally, he says, the struggle we have is not with human enemies. It's not with people. If we have, there are people that aren't claiming Jesus Christ as Lord, and maybe they don't understand things that we do as a church, our struggle is not with the people. Paul uses lots of phrases, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers. I'm just going to call them the powers. Keep it short. It's a mouthful. He says, we're never in struggle with people. We're in struggle with powers, something bigger than people. And this message of the powers is really important and really helpful for us today because, believe it or not, some people out there really struggle with other people. Maybe you do. The message of the powers is important because our society is dominant and driven by the idea that people are our enemies. We blame other people for problems. We blame other generations because we don't understand them. We blame flesh and blood human beings created in the image of God as if they aren't sacred. Our struggle, says Paul, is with the powers, the powers. Our need for defense, for a strong armor, is not against other people, it's against powers. This whole idea helps us live a healthier life if we can start to operate in that mentality. So let's identify a classic and easy example. Nazi Germany. Classic example. At the turn of the century from 18th to 19th, Germany was the pinnacle of civilization. Their economy, their theology, their technology, they were the ones that everyone else looked to. We just finished a war not too long before. Germany was where everyone's ideas were coming from. In 30-some years, something terrible happened, led by 
people, powers, that we call Nazi Germany. Terrible things happened in human history that we should never forget. But Paul would say, it's not the people. It's not the people. I mean, think about it. How did that happen? In 30-some years, they go from the pinnacle to this capability of great atrocity. How does a country of people at the pinnacle become the ultimate symbol of villain? I mean, no one woke up overnight and decided that all the things that happened in the 30s and 40s were a good idea. We could acknowledge that. It doesn't just happen. Something was at work in the air. Something was at work in the atmosphere to create a situation where people were willing to do things they wouldn't normally do. We've seen this. You ever been part of a mob? I've been part of one that was a celebration. I was in Bloomington when IU went to the championship. Not when they won it. I'm not that old. But uh, when they went, and I went down, and there were people crowded, and all of a sudden, the crowd got pretty crazy. And suddenly, it just you could sense the change, because that's what happens. Something gets in the air and picks up on it. I remember being in school, high school, middle school, knowing that people that were friends suddenly weren't friends anymore. And they were dressing differently, and they were judging each other and vying for power. And I think it wasn't then. They didn't wake up not liking each other. Something is in the air, and we all went through it, and we understand it, and we all know what's happening now in our society. There's something in the air. Amen? Paul's inviting the church into a new reality to which they've already entered in baptism. We are a new humanity, Paul says. We still have the same world before us with the powers, but we are empowered by a different spirit in the air. We have the Holy Spirit in this new way, but we've lived a life saturated in the way of the powers, which is why sometimes we can't even distinguish it if we're not prepared, on guard, ready, sharp. We experience healing and salvation from the sins of our past when we receive the grace of God through baptism, but we still have a road of change ahead of us, a long road. Amen? The powers are so hard to recognize because they've served us well at times. Fish doesn't even know to seek out water because it's just always been there, and that's how it is with the powers. One symptom of powers today is fear. Being cautious is different than being afraid. Most of our problems are caused by fear. We fear people who look differently, who love differently, people who vote differently, worship differently, who live in a different country, who have a different culture. People seeking power and want to control the crowd, they love to stoke that fear because they know it works. That's why we see governors standing in doorways of a school refusing to see it desegregated. They're devoted to the powers. And then we see Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King resisting those powers. And he didn't blame people, not once. He sought to lead the entire national system into this Christ-like reality where all are equal, where justice and truth prevail, but he even wanted to win over enemies. He made that his point. You're not my enemy. I'm going to win you over too. He was in a struggle with the powers. Powers are in the air. 
The powers are around us. The powers are in us. As the church, we gather together every week to acknowledge this. We confess, don't we? Because we still give allegiance to the powers at times when we don't even realize it. And so, Paul says, we must be prepared. At all times, in every place, among all people, even when it comes to ourselves and our inner dialogue, we need to devote ourselves to being prepared. To communicate this need, he brings this ancient image of the armor of God, and he reworks it a bit. He reworks it into something familiar for the Ephesians, because everywhere they would have turned in the Roman capital, they would have seen a Roman soldier. And so you can see this doesn't have a belt and some of the things mentioned, but that one does. That's because that's the image Paul gave. A soldier is dressed from head to toe with complete intentionality. Intention, I made up a word there. It's dressed and ready. Everything they have on their body is exactly what they need, nothing less, nothing more. They're prepared at every moment. What a great image to present to the Ephesians. Look at what the powers are prepared for. Calling the church to be prepared means we need to identify our own idea, our own armor. And so the belt of truth is the first. Truth. Man, we could use some more truth. Amen? Truth in Scripture comes from a couple of words, and and these words speak to a large and deep meaning. It doesn't have anything to do with what we say being true or false. I mean, it does and it doesn't. That's, that's, just, that's a very small piece. Instead, truth is about the characteristics of your actions. The Hebrew Scriptures give us plenty of examples of this. So, a person of truth is someone who honors their relationships. If they're married, they honor the marriage. If they're friends, they honor the friendship. If they're in their religious body, they honor that relationship. They don't mistreat it. A person of truth doesn't oppress the poor according to the prophets, and doesn't support a system which oppresses the poor. That would be a conflict of our character. A person of truth doesn't steal and doesn't support a system that does. A person of truth doesn't make unjust judgments. We see examples of truth in scriptures, in kings and in nations. A good king does what a king is supposed to do, rules on behalf of the people. A good nation treats each other fairly and kindly. Truth equals justice in the Hebrew scriptures. God is just, amen? What God says goes, amen? God is never behind unjust systems. God honors all promises and covenants, even when we don't. In the Bible, God's truth is presented as a reliable path upon which we can walk, a lifestyle that mimics God's truth or God's reliability, God's faithfulness. Paul tells the church in Rome that the Bible, in his day it was the Torah, in our day it's a lot more, it's a reliable teaching to guide us onto this path. You can trust the truth. Church is urged by Paul to read the Scripture, a simple task, daily, if you will, and allow the Spirit to work. So here we are, walking in the same powers, Powers animating different systems than in Paul's day, different fears than in Paul's day, and in a different way, but to the same end, a reality that is unjust and is rebellious toward God. We're all influenced by the powers. We all carry fear, amen? It often comes out in the form of anger, disgust of others, people, 
whom we actually don't even know. Somehow we still find a way to be angry with complete strangers. Some of us struggle with fear so much that we're tempted to devote ourselves to security at costs that far exceed our character. We need to be prepared every day. So two things we need to do. First, we need to be reminded and we need to remember that God is true. Now, I don't mean that God is real. God's real, but that's not what I mean. I mean that God being true is that God is reliable, trustworthy, will never betray us, never abandon us, that God is dependable and faithful to us, that God's love for you is unrelenting, that God's grace is unwavering, and that God's mercy is inexhaustible. Thanks be to God. So we can rest assured without fear because the only thing worth fearing, God, is our God, our Abba, our friend. God has already demonstrated the full truth by sending Jesus Christ. Jesus came to us, taught us, healed us, invited and called us, and Jesus faced the powers head on of the religious system of his own people, of Rome, represented by the priests, represented by Pilate. He offered himself, submitted to them, took on the suffering and the death they had to offer, and he defeated them. Defeated them through submission, through love, through forgiveness, and through mercy. God raised Jesus from the grave to exalt him as the truth and his way of life as the truth for us all. God sends us the Holy Spirit to seal us in that truth, Paul says, to acknowledge that we are empowered by the same power of Christ to submit, to love, to forgive, and to have mercy just as Christ did, that we no longer need to fear the powers because their best weapon, death, is already defeated. We can enter into eternal life right here and now and onward on the path of change and healing. And it's ours forever. Amen? Second, so first, remember that God is true. Second, that we need to be people of truth. This is your charge. This is my charge. This is our charge. To remember every single day that we are not in a struggle with people. We're in a struggle with the powers. And they've already lost. And so every reason and ability to live truth is ours, to be reliable, that the characteristics of our actions and our speech reflects our faith, to be dependable, that we all treat everyone fairly and kindly in justice, to be trustworthy, that we will nurture the relationships we have and do everything we can to honor them, to be true so that we will not make unjust judgments we will not spread lies. We will not spread fear. We will not spread hatred. Put on the belt of truth, my friends, as God has revealed it in Jesus Christ. It's been given to you through the Holy Spirit that you will not only be led into a fuller and more meaningful life, but that God will actually work through you. You will witness and participate in the defeat of the powers of people's lives around you. God is good all the time and all the time. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. 
and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 